Hello and welcome back to another episode, a very special episode of the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. As always, I am your host, Kurt Stubbs. Um, Today, before we get into our 25th anniversary episode, um, there was some a bit of bad news that came down the pipeline, something I think uh, pretty much everybody expected, uh, and that is the uh, winter sports tournaments, uh, which would be the boys and girls state basketball tournament and the wrestling tournament, have been officially canceled. Uh, so there will be no state champion. There will be no finality to the 2020 winter sports uh, 2020 spring still up in the air um you know i think people are still holding out hope for that uh and you know we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks and the coming months but uh, just for those um, teams that were still remaining in the boys tournament um, girls tournament wrestling tournament man you know boy it's just really hard to um, comprehend and understand uh, at such a young age and, and even uh, the coaches who are you know adults just not being a finality to something is something people have a really hard time with and uh, you know every other year everybody's season ends uh, except for four teams are crowned so I guess every season ends with a loss for everybody but uh, your four state champions in boys basketball. Um, but this year, uh, that was obviously not the case. Uh, Division one was down to 10 teams. Uh, you still had one regional semifinal, Thomas Worthington and Westerville Central, that was yet to be played. Uh, Division two had not even played any of its regional semifinals. Those games were slated for Thursday, February, or March 12th. So 16 teams still remained. Uh, Division three, you had eight teams left, and Division four, you had eight teams left. So in all, you'd have what 26, uh, and then your 16. So you had 42 teams left remaining on the board, uh, hoping to win a state championship. So I uh, just wanted to say, uh, you know, my. My heart goes out to those kids and those coaches that put so much work and effort into their craft uh, to reach that point. And I've mentioned this before, but, you know, there's certain schools where you know they're going to be back. Uh, Just history tells you that. But that still doesn't take away from the fact that uh, those teams have seniors, uh, that 2020 class that, you know, will not get um, another shot. You look at, like, you know, a team like St. Edwards and Coach Flannery's team, uh, I mean, barring something unforeseen, we'll be back at the state tournament, uh, whether it's next year, the year after that, or, or or whenever. You know, they'll eventually be back. Uh, but still, you know, you're looking at uh, Grant Huffman and Devontae Blanton um, and uh, Foster, Montori Foster. You know, those guys were looking to uh, go to their third state tournament in four years. Uh, and hope, and, and we're hoping to finally uh, knock that door down and, and get that third state championship for Coach Flannery, uh, which was not out of the question. But, uh, you know, every team has those seniors uh, that will not get that opportunity. You know, Hilliard Bradley with, with Matt Alaco, Chris Mayfield, guys that have been around for four years. Um, and, and then, you know, there will be those teams that uh, – th- this may be uh, – their chance. Um, you know, Lima Shawnee, I know they have a bunch of juniors, uh, but, you know, they, they were having a banner year. Um, Metamora Evergreen, uh, banner year. Columbus Grove, I know they have quite a few juniors as well, so there's a real good chance they could be back, but still, uh, you just never know. So, you know, when you look at those teams in those communities, um, sometimes those are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, uh, and you're just never going to know. But, um, again, my heart goes out to all those people involved. Uh, obviously, we have something going on that's much, much greater than than, than uh, athletics and, and things like that. But still, 
um, we just want to recognize that that those emotions are real. Uh, so hopefully uh, 2020, 2021, um, you know, we can get back to some normalcy, but um, that's where we're at right now with the winter sports tournaments. Um, now, as far as today goes, uh, we are going to uh, go to another division. Uh, we've already had on Zanesville's Seth Martin to talk about their 1995 state championship. And um, I know they had a watch party last night, uh, which was pretty cool, uh, you know, with that uh, 1995 team, the replay of the Cleveland Heights state final overtime game. So that was really cool. Um, haven't got the chance to talk to Seth about that, but uh, I know he was uh, pretty stoked about it. So today we're going to go um, to Division Three, the 1994-1995 Orville Red Riders finished the season at 24-3 and under head coach, the late, great Steve Smitty Smith, and uh, that team brought Coach Smith his second title uh, in four years. They also won the 1992 state championship led by uh, standout senior Kevin Summers. So today's guest, i give you kind of a little bit of a rundown here. I haven't revealed uh, who that was going to be yet on Twitter. Um, and people were definitely wanting to know. And this guy is coming on the show um, well requested. So uh, this kid was a was adult now uh, at the time, a kid. This kid was third team All-Ohio as a junior uh, in 1996 as senior. He was the D2 State Player of the Year when they moved up to Division II. Uh, he was also a two-time first team All-Ohio and in football uh, as a wide receiver. He had 27 career touchdown catches in those two seasons. Uh, he was a four-year starter in basketball. He scored 1,722 points and grabbed 782 rebounds, which both rank first all-time. He had 103 career starts, and he was a two-time state tournament MVP. Our guest today is none other than Marcel Denson. guys well he came highly requested um a blast from the past here uh before you jumped on marcel i was reading some of your career highlights um why don't you tell you know some of the younger listeners we have a bunch of younger listeners um may not remember you mm -hmm. and and the great success that you guys had there um, even, 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 you know, right before you had come in, into high school, um, you know, kind of maybe talk to, yeah. uh, our listeners about what was your, what was your game like back then? Uh, my game personally was, I tried to base my game pretty much between a Scottie Pippen and a, a Michael Jordan. Uh, basically when I grew up, uh, those were the top guys around that time and winning a lot of championships and things of that nature. And uh, me and my teammate, Renal Ray, used to pretty much call each other ourselves, you know, Jordan and Pippen. He was – I called him Batman. He called me Robin. So <laughs> That's pretty much uh, what I try to pattern my game after. But I've basically watched all players and try to do what I could as far as all players. Now, did you guys – you mentioned Renald. Did you guys grow up in Orville? I don't know much of the backstory. Yeah, Renault's one of my uh, best friends growing up. Uh, we all grew up together in Orville, went to elementary school and things of that nature together. And 
we pretty much all play ball and different sports at the boys club and uh, going to little tournaments and leagues around the area and stuff like that together. Since we was probably in like second, third grade from Clinton Irby to Tommy Reeser to anybody you can think of that came from Orville, we all known each other for years and uh, we're a tight knit community. So we all grew up together. Um, it was just fun time. Now, before you guys got into high school, was it kind of well-known around town that you guys were going to do some big things, not only in basketball, but just athletically in general? I would say it probably started around third or fourth grade, and uh, we started connecting with each other and playing sports and stuff together with each other. So we got real good and know, at knowing where each other was going to be, whether it was football basketball or anything we knew what the other person was going to bring to the table and so the community kind of seen us starting to jail together we started winning games and doing things in little tournaments going across the areas and stuff like that so the buzz start, probably started around a young age around that time but I think more people started taking more serious when getting like towards now right before you got into high school um the 1992 Orville team went 27 and one, and they won Coach Smith uh, his first state championship. And um, this is a Orville team that ended up being in five regionals in six seasons. Uh, 1993, um, which would have been your freshman year, you guys finished regional runner-up, losing a really tough game to uh Campbell Memorial 55-54 they would actually go on to win the state championship that year um and, and like yeah. I mentioned that was your freshman year but how much of that um 1992 team which I believe was led by Kevin Summers uh Anthony Durden yeah. um how much of that team do you recall uh actually I remember we were a tight uh, uh, fit community and a uh, tight knit community. And uh, so I watched them growing up throughout all the years, uh, even when they was younger. Like most of them is like our cousins and stuff like that. Like Anthony Durden is a uh, Renal Ray's cousin and like Clinton Irby, that's his cousin and things of that nature. So I knew them like when I was a young kid, they used to actually take us to the park and let us play ball with them and show us the way leading up. So, we knew what to prepare for when we got over. So they was a big part of us actually being successful because we knew what we were looking for before we got there. And that 1992 team, as I mentioned, went 27-1 and under head coach Steve Smitty. Smith, uh, they defeated Patrick Henry uh, in the state finals in front of 13,203. Um, some of the other members on that team were D. Simpson, Jermaine DeHart, Jim Haley, uh, and then Sly Slaughter, uh, who would go on to be the head coach at Orville. Uh, Orville actually only finished second in the AP poll that year, um, which was kind of a trend. Uh, I noticed in my research a lot, of, a lot of disrespect in the polls for you guys, despite uh, maybe playing a little bit better competition than some of the other teams ahead of you. Uh, coach Smith was also coach of the year that year. That was their first state tournament since uh, 1980 uh, when Coach Smith led him there. Um, the only loss in 92 was to Wooster at the College of Wooster. Uh, this man, like a – there would be no – March 2059 uh, succumbing to a courageous battle with cancer. Uh, he was there. Uh, from 1992, uh, he was a Perkins at a and then Benton's coach Steve Williman, who they were at the state tournament 95 and won as well. Uh, he had 13 and 168 career record. Um, he also coached for, uh, Old Fort to the state baseball tournament. Top coach, what was your memories um, of Coach Smith as a 
as I had noted, he uh, was quite the character. Yeah, my my memory of Coach Smith was basically if you was a person that thought you wasn't going to be in class because you were going to play like you were sick, he would come to your house and make sure that you were getting up to come to class or he was going to call you on the phone all day. He was – everybody no plan for Coach Smith. Coach Smith was almost like a military coach. And uh, it wasn't that he was trying to harm us or anything, but he was trying to get the best about all of his players that he had under him. And uh, he was more than just a, a, a basketball coach. He was like a father to you because he did come around and find out other things that was going on about you. He would pull you in his office and have a conversation with you uh, just about life in general. And uh, he prepared you to be a man, basically. And uh, he took that teaching from basketball to do that. And uh, so uh, God rest his soul, and we all miss him and, uh, you know, wish he was here. Yeah, and that's that was the one thing, tough research and, uh, you know, in this for this podcast, just thinking, you know, he should still be here. Uh, you know, yeah. it seemed at 59, you got a whole lot uh, more to give. Um, but he definitely impacted a, a, a lot of people in his time, uh, not only at Orville. Uh, when, now, to my listeners out there, this is authentic and this is real. Marcel and I have, have never spoken outside of when I asked him to come on here. So, you know, this is all authentic. And he he had mentioned something that I I agree with wholeheartedly. Uh, You know, he was we were talking about 95 and he said, you know, that was when basketball was basketball and kind of maybe tell me what 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 is your take on the, uh, you know, the amateur game today compared to. to Uh, I I really don't like the the game today because it seemed like everybody just trying to shoot three pointers. Uh, when I played the game, we worked hard as a, as a team and set up people in different positions to score. And we worked hard as a team, very hard on defense to talk to each other and make sure everybody was in the right position to help each other. Uh, I liked it better back in the day because it was more physical and more throw the ball in the post and try to post people up. And if they weren't open, then, yeah, throw it off with a three. But, you know, it was just more aggressive basketball than all these little – petty foul that they call today and putting people on the line for 2,000 free throws and, you know, letting people travel and doing the James Harden step back, which I think is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think the game changed a lot in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you as well. I, I think uh, the game has changed for sure. I think uh, crowd and community community involvement uh, has dwindled year and I think you know probably can attribute a lot of that to the internet and social media people just not uh, going as much as they used to but um, I wanted to start because uh, you know without this season you know I don't know what what would occurred in the 94-95 season but your 93-94 season as you're 18 and 2 in a regular season you finished number five in a state number and you end up losing to a team you're pretty familiar with. You lose to Creston Norway in the district final. Now, I'm assuming you guys play these guys in a regular season as well. Uh, actually, yes, we did play them in a the regular season. But the funny part about it is uh, we actually used to play those guys. They used to come to the park in Oroville. And they used to we, – so we were familiar with them. They were familiar with us. And – uh we are like all the community teams like uh, Worcester and Dowden and Smithville, Redmond. Back in those days, they used to come to Orr Park and all the best players would actually come out and play with us, you know, and we got to be good friends with them. So when we got on the court with them, we was out there talking and laughing and, you know, things of that nature. So they was already familiar with us. So that loss to Norway, and I'm, I'm assuming that was that didn't sit well with you guys, probably thinking that you guys could have made a – another run that year as well uh i we lost that game i think we really needed to lose that game because we was young and we were starting to get a little cocky because we was all you know sophomores at that time and we was i think 20 and 4 or something like that so we was doing pretty well uh 
And so it, we, we got a little big headed uh, going into the game, wasn't really into it. And they ended up getting this and it taught us a huge lesson. And I remember saying to myself, like, I'm not losing no more. Like I'm going out winning, you know? So from there, it just stuck. Like every time we go into the playoff, we kept, we kept thinking about Norway, Norway. And so that's, it kind of helped us just as much as the, uh, when we lost to Triway my senior year, they beat us because we was getting cocky. So we just took that in our mindset, like, look, we got to play the game and keep playing hard and not let teams just come in here and do what they want to do. You know, and that's pretty much what our mentality was. Now, you guys, you know, you, you lose in the uh, tournament that year as sophomores, but you, you suffer a, another loss uh, before the season starts the following winter. You guys are in the state championship uh, at Maslin. Uh, in football that year against Germantown Valley View, who I believe went undefeated that year. You guys got down 28 to three at half that game and just were kind of trying to play makeup uh, the, the entire second half. But as I mentioned, you were a first team all high wide receiver as well uh, that year as a, uh, a junior. But you guys, you guys lose in the, in the final game of the season. Not many teams get to play in that game. Uh, and I'm sure that added a little bit of fuel to the fire uh, heading into the, the basketball season. Uh, actually, it did. Um, that hurt a lot because we thought we were going to be the first team to win the state championship in football. And uh, so it hurt a lot. And uh, But the thing that got to us most is that Coach Smith used it against us. <laughs> you know, anytime we were playing bad in practice or – in a game or something, he always say, "Oh, so you gonna come out here and play like you did in the state championship game for football?" And he really, he really stick it to you. So, with that getting in your head and you're young and you start getting mad about hearing that and you don't want to hear it no more, you just start to play. You know, you start to think different. So, he he definitely put it on us. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing about it is, is you know, you guys, a, a big core of your basketball team, uh, with you and Ray and Reeser and, and Haley. Uh, also were on that football team. So, you know, you, you had a – it wasn't just one guy. You had, you know, several guys that were key contributors to your basketball team that were on that football team uh, as well. So you come into uh, the season. Uh, obviously, you're playing late into the season in football. So probably a little um, – a little bit late trying to get your legs, basketball legs, in a different type of shape. Uh, you, you guys start come out of the gates, uh, which I think is a little bit overstated. It, you were three and two to start, but you, you lose to, to Wadsworth, who uh, Wadsworth actually ended up losing in the region, Division One regional double overtime to Warren Harding that year. And then you lose another game to Flint Northern, who uh, was led by future Michigan State guys Antonio Smith and Mateen Cleaves I think they ended up winning the state championship in Michigan that year so it wasn't yeah, like yeah. you got it wasn't like you guys came out of the gates playing a bunch of cupcakes and loose games I mean you you come out playing some really good teams yeah well coach Smith uh since we wasn't in the league back then coach Smith made it a point to have a tough independent schedule so most of our team that we played was like Division one or ranked pretty high in the state or, you know, like that Flint Northern team, they were ranked like number one in Michigan or something. And so <clears throat> he would play, we would have to play teams like that, which only prepared us for the tournament. Once we played a team that was a little bit lesser, if you want to call it that. So uh, that's how we prepared. Uh, do you remember that game with Flint Northern? I, I a bit about it. Um, I remember them, uh, Coming in, we had no idea who they was at all. Uh, they were really fast. They were pretty much identical to our team, to be honest. And uh, just remember, we had a chance. It was a real close game, and I think we ended up losing by like seven, seven point game or something like that. And uh, that's pretty much I remember about that game. Uh, I just remember I know it was in Sandusky for a holiday tournament. That's and that's interesting because you know that just goes to show you the difference between uh, now and the social media era. Where if you would have played a game like that now, you would have you would have known everything about that team and every player that was on the team. 
but back then that was just kind of how it was. You didn't really, if it wasn't somebody that was a familiar opponent, you didn't, you didn't really know, yeah, you know, you just came in and, and, and played. Exactly. We just knew they was called like the Flintstones and they had some tall players and we knew about Mateen Cleese, but we didn't like get to see them play or anything like that. We didn't know how they were doing in Michigan or anything. I think it kind of helped us because we wasn't going in there scared or anything. We just went in there to play. You know. Yeah, and I think that that was, you know, kind of a beautiful thing back then. You didn't you didn't know people uh nearly as well as, you know, everybody thinks that they know everybody now because you you can friend somebody on uh Twitter or follow somebody on Twitter or Facebook friend somebody. So um, yeah, I do think that probably was uh, helpful that you just went in there and played. Yeah. Um, and then after the back-to-back losses, you uh, you end up getting an overtime win against Sandusky, um, and then a close win over Norway. Uh, what what you know? You mentioned playing with those guys in the part. What what made it so tough? Like playing against that team because it looking at those couple of years, they they always seemed to have played you guys tough. I think uh, when it comes to teams like Norway and uh, Smithville and teams like that, Oroville in their eyes is a bigger, the bigger school. That's the team to beat. Um, and we was doing pretty good. And we was already known for winning that state championship in 92. So we was like a target. So teams brought their best game playing against us. And them playing against us at the park all the time. They have no fear coming into the game to play against us because they was already used to joking with us and being around us all the time. So they was comfortable playing this. And uh, I think that's what helped the game to be so tight and so tough because they kind of knew all our we was trying to do. So you guys would end up beating them in a close game. Uh, You had another uh, fairly difficult game against Maslin. Uh, You come away with a 75-69 win, but uh, it appeared you started to, kind of gel there over like the next six games. Uh, and then you hit a bump in the road uh, right before tournament. You guys lose a, a game to West Salem, Northwestern, uh, 55, 49. What was the, what was the deal with that game? Uh, I think we went in there underestimating them. And at the time they was, that was the last game that they was going to have at their gym. Uh, so I pretty much played the final game at Northwestern on their court, on that court at that time. And so they was fired up. Like, the atmosphere was crazy. It felt like playoffs. And they wanted that game bad because, obviously, you don't want to lose your last game uh, on that court, no matter who you playing. So they was fired up, and they was really – they played excellent sound basketball. I can't even take anything from them. We tried, we tried, and they just was on their game that night. They was hitting everything. I can remember uh, Tim Howman, who ended up being on one of my all-star teams. Uh, he was he played well that night, and uh, it, it was a tough game. So you guys would uh, drop that game, but you would win your final four games against Triway, Barberton, Chippewa, and Fairless uh, before starting sectional play. So you guys went into the tournament on a little bit of a roll, four-game winning streak. Uh, and you would get a familiar opponent in the sectional final there. Uh, you pretty much took Smithfield apart, 69-43. Uh, you had 17, Renault had 15, Clinton had uh, 14, and a kid that was in a grade below you, Cedric Simpson, uh, ended up with 13. So you guys got off to a real good start in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then you end up uh, – in the next game, you got a district semifinal. This is kind of a uh, sh- uh, individual showdown here. You play uh, Akron Manchester, uh, who you would beat 86-66. But the story of this game is, and you probably remember this well, uh, this game was held at Wooster. Uh, Randy Ayers was in attendance, a former Ohio State coach, uh, and he was there, I'm assuming, uh, to watch the co-state player of the year that year, Nate Shindewolf. And also you, um, and that's according Tom Gaffney from the Akron Beacon Journal was reporting that. Do you remember that night? Yeah, I remember that night. Uh, there was a lot of hype around in that game. Uh, Nation the Wolf coming in and uh, Ryan Andrus coming in. 
And uh, we wanted to get off to a good start because we have been hearing about him throughout the year. And we had already been playing against Nate through, like, little AAUs and different times he'd come to the park and stuff like that. So we already knew he was good. And uh, they had a couple players that caught our eye as we went and scouted them a couple times. Uh, I remember going into that game. I remember I got in foul trouble. So we had to depend on other people to step up to help us make it through. And Renal Ray stepped up huge. Uh, Cedric Simpson dislocated his uh, finger in that game. And we were like, oh, you know, we thought we was in trouble at that point. But he actually turned it up even higher. And I don't know, he might have scored like 16 to 18 points. So he pretty much filled the void that I didn't fill in because I was sitting on the bench most of the game. But uh, it was it was a pretty tough game. But, you know, thank God my teammates came through for us. Talking to Orville legend here, Marcel Denson, who has a uh, excellent memory for sure. Reynald Ray ended that game with 26 points. Cedric Simpson, uh, as you mentioned, he ended up with 19. Irby had 14, and you were uh, saddled with foul trouble. You did end up with 13. You guys kind of blew it open there in the third quarter. You had a 24 to 12 quarter uh, to move you to a 20 point win that night. And Land you back in the district final where you would see Creston Norway again. Um, this game was played in front of 3,871 onlookers. Uh, this game was actually moved from Wooster to the Canton Fieldhouse, which was kind of like your home away from home. Uh, Norway was number three in the state. You were number five, despite beating them earlier in the season. So here, here you go again. Uh, it's Norway time again, and, and this time it would be a different outcome. You you would uh, you would get them this time. Big night from uh, your teammate, your running mate, Ronald Ray had 36 points, 13 rebounds, four steals, two blocks, uh, and 16 of those points came in a much needed fourth quarter. Yeah, I definitely remember that game. Ronald caught on fire, and I made sure that I got him the ball every time I could. Uh, Norway, we wanted them really, really bad because uh, we did remember the year before, our sophomore year, that they had beat us. And we had scratched out the regular season game. We played against them, and we were focused on this game, and there was no way we were going to let that team beat us that game. It's the mentality we had going in there. And uh, I, don't, Renaud, I don't know. He just turned, like I said, I called Renal Batman, and I called myself Robin, so I feel like he turned into Batman that night. This was a game, and you guys, I'd be interested to get inside your mind. You guys were actually trailing 42-37 heading into the fourth quarter. Do you ever remember, uh, you know, in that time out there between the third and fourth quarter thinking, here we go again, or was it this ain't going to happen again? No, our team okay. – uh, believe it or not, our team don't panic. We never panic. Even we could be down with a couple seconds left in the game. We could be down four or five, and we still feel like we can get two threes to take the lead by one. You know, so we, we always feel like we was always in the game as long as it was in reach and seeing the score was in reach and we had enough time to get the job done. We Our team was a team that scored in volumes. So to get points wasn't really like a thing that we were worried about we were just more worried about getting defensive stops and we, we felt like we could do that. So you guys come out in the fourth quarter smoking, you go on a 12 2 run to take a 49 44 lead. Um, your fourth quarter, um, Orville's fourth quarter was nearly flawless. You guys were eight of eight from the field and 10 of 11 from the foul line. Uh, almost a perfect quarter to run away with a 63 54 victory. Um, and just, you know, kind of going through the history of this team that year, you know, you, you guys closed when you had to. For uh, Norwayne, Josh Wolf had 18, Josh Pyatt 14, Matt Rupp 10. Uh, that win would move you into the regional semis where you would face uh, Newton Falls, um, and, and just doing a research on this game, uh, it didn't seem like too many people were going to give Newton Falls much of a chance in this game. Uh, you guys did blow the doors open in this one, 79-54. You had 30 points, 
uh, and 10 rebounds in the Newton Falls Regional Semifinal game. You guys shot 55% from the field uh, and held them to 5 of 27 shooting in the second half. It seemed like this was kind of your calling card at this time. You, you were highly efficient on offense, and you made it extremely difficult on the opponent's offense. Would that be true? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Um, and we also, you know, I played as a freshman, and we had lost against uh, Campbell Memorial, and we was in the regionals at that time. So we was already familiar, like Renal Ray, Clinton Irby, uh, Tom Reeser, all those guys was freshmen at that time, too, and played on the varsity uh, when we lost to Campbell Memorial. So when we went to the regional, we had already been there before. So it wasn't nothing new to us. It was just a regular game to us. Uh, in our minds, that's the way we tried to play it. So, I mean, we, we basically went there with no fear, and we was on a mission. You know, we, we, wasn't, we wasn't going to be stopped in that game. Yeah, it was uh, – it was – quite the effort by you guys that night in front of 3,223 at the Canton Fieldhouse. Um, and that would get you into the regional final, where the, the regional final would be a much more difficult game. Um, you guys get Cardinal Mooney, uh, a football powerhouse. You get them in basketball in a regional final. Um, and you guys had to overcome a big performance that night, 28 points, including 14 in the fourth quarter from second team All-Ohio, a scene please, uh, who would go on to be a uh, really good football player at the University of Illinois. Uh, do you remember uh, that night? Yeah, I do remember him. Uh, he, he, was a, he was a tough character right there. He come down half court, and as soon as he take two feet over, he was throwing the ball up from three. He was basically Steph Curry that night, and everything, <laughs> everything we tried to do, he was making it no matter what. If it was straight away, then he had his running partner who kept grabbing all the rebounds, and it was it was just like it was a rock 'em sock 'em game. And I I really don't know how we got out of that game. But we did. That man was on fire that night. Yeah, you guys led uh, fifty-seven forty-two in this game, but. That lead quickly dwindled to 57-52. You guys had a five-point lead. Uh, a scene was, had caught fire there in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then Ray and Reeser scored back-to-back -back baskets with just two minutes, over two minutes to go in the fourth, which were actually uh, your first field goals of the fourth quarter. So you guys almost went nearly six minutes without a field goal. Uh, and then please would hit another three to make it 6155. Uh, but uh, Batman Renald Ray uh, would seal the game with another field goal and four three free throws. He ended up with 23 points. Uh, again, you guys shot 50% from the field, 17 to 22 at the line. But this was one you guys had to gut out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was extremely tough in the fourth quarter. And I'm um... Honestly, that's the type of games that we like to play because that's the kind of game that Coach Smith prepared for, prepared us for in practice. We love to rock them, sock them down to the wire. You might have to make a buzzer beater type game. Uh, yeah, that brought excitement to the crowd, to our players, and uh, that's the type of game it was. And Clintard Irby ended up with 20. You had 14 points and 16 rebounds. We don't talk much about Clinton. He was a member of, uh, of your uh, quartet there of, of guys that played early on. What was it about Clinton that made him special? The thing about Clinton is he was a, a really tough uh, center. He'll take a charge if the team needs it. Uh, I think the best thing about Clinton is he was a big man that could pass the ball really well, and he could also step out outside the three-point line and, and hit you a three-pointer when you need it. And normally, if he hit you a three-pointer, that had the whole crowd erupt. And once the crowd erupted, then it put us to going, you know. So he would make key plays, and oh, you couldn't go in there and try to score a layup because he's he's blocking it. So, you know, that's the key thing about Irby. He was a, he was a great defender uh, inside the paint. Yeah, he had to make it uh, a lot easier on you guys to be aggressive uh, with his ability to control the paint. Uh, in a number of these games, he had, uh, you know, a handful of blocks. Uh, so, Clinton Irby giving you guys that, that presence in the paint. 
uh, which, you know, is, is probably a big reason you guys were so uh, good on the defensive end. It, it, it definitely was. That game that we lost to, to Wildsworth earlier in the season, I think he had like a record 10 blocks or something like that. So if it wasn't for his block, we probably they probably would have blew us out. <laughs> Which again was a, a really good Wad, Wadsworth team that was a, a Division One team. They were in Division One regional. Um, so no, uh, it, it took a heck of a team to beat you guys, especially in that you know two year run there in '95 and '96. But you guys would get to uh, the state semifinal. Um, and this was a, a team that coach or a coach that Coach Smith was pretty familiar with. Um, coming into this game uh, in the Mansfield News Journal, uh, Coach Smith seemed like he was pretty worried about Ontario. Uh, but I think some of the media thought Smitty was, you know, well known for for talking up the opponent. So I don't know where that you know if they were believing him, but uh, I think he was correct on this one because you guys. Um, we're definitely in a dogfight in this game. You trailed 51-48, uh, and, and you were able to, to force overtime and eventually triumph in overtime. But what made, what made Ontario uh, such a tough matchup for you guys? Uh, Maloney. He came out there, and we could not control him. He was all over the place scoring and uh, getting a bunch of rebounds on us, and we just could not stop him for anything. And uh, they just they just hung in there. They stuck with us the whole game, the whole game. It was almost pretty much like trying to – like when we played Triway my senior year, they just kind of slowed the ball a little bit and kind of kept us from getting into our bursts and getting into the runs that we had when we going on fast breaks and things of that nature. And they, they kept the game close that way. So, you know, you got to give them credit for, you know, hitting their shots and getting, their, getting in position to even put themselves to beat us because I'm pretty sure it went to overtime and everything. So – I remember that mostly about Ontario. Yeah, and Co- Coach Smith was was really concerned um, about the way uh, this team shot the basketball. Um, but you know, as you guys did all year, you rose to the occasion. Um, Brian Maloney, as you mentioned, he did end up with thirty two points to lead Ontario. But um, a big thing for you guys was you held their leading scorer, Ben Shoemaker. Uh, to five points on one of 10 shooting. He came in that game averaging 18 a game, and he had hit 24 threes in their last three games, uh, according to the Beacon Journal. Was uh, Who got the assignment of, of Shoemaker that night? Was that, was that Reeser? Uh, we all had an assignment on him. Reeser, you know, got to guard him a little bit. Renault guarded him a little bit. I got to guard him a little bit. Uh, we had players that we could rotate on players. If one player wasn't doing so hot against them, then we would bring in another player uh, to give them a different look and guard them, things of that nature. Because me and Renault could guard between the, you know, little small guards up into the centers. Like, cause we could move like a guard. So we was able to guard all of them. Sometimes we put people on them to give a big, tall guy on them and give him pressure so he couldn't shoot over you. Sometimes we had Tommy Reeser in there running around, you know, trying to get steals and stuff like that to keep ball pressure on him and getting tired. So we just ran people in and out and gave them different looks. And much like you guys did all season, you came up clutch uh, when it mattered most. You guys were 9 of 13 from the free throw line and a pretty uh, high-scoring overtime. Um, I think it was like 15 to 12 in overtime, which is a lot of points really in a high school overtime with uh, no shot clock and – you know, definitely a coach and, and Joe Baylog at uh, Ontario that's uh, a very, very good coach. He's actually still coaching uh, at Ontario. Really? Uh, but you would send them pack. Yeah, yeah, he is actually still there. Um, and they are still, you know, they don't they don't always have the greatest talent, but he finds a way to, to make them very competitive. Yeah, they uh, so you send them – Packing that year uh, in the state final four at St. John Arena. Uh, they end the year at 21 and 5. Renald Ray had 22. You had 20. Uh, Clintard Irby with 10 points and eight rebounds. Uh, he was obviously big again on the defensive end in the paint. 
Tom Reeser, who we've mentioned a little bit, uh, he would go on to play football at Dartmouth. Uh, he was five of six at the free throw line in overtime, so that was huge for you guys. He finished with eight, and, and John Haley, another football guy, uh, ended with seven. So, you know, those guys like Reeser and, and Haley, and, and you might want to mention some of some other guys that uh, contributed, but, but those guys, you know, maybe didn't always, uh, you know, didn't get all the limelight uh, as you and, and Renald and, and Klinner did, but, you know, they, they were huge parts to your team. Uh, they definitely was. He, uh, he was part to our team. Uh, John Haley would come in and hit big threes for us. Uh, Mitch Bertie would come off the bench with the other senior. We had two seniors. Uh, Mitch Bertie would come off the bench and give us a good look at the guards. Uh, Art Jones, who played football as well. Uh, Aaron Dotson would come in and handle the ball. Uh, our bench was like uh, they prepared us throughout the whole season. And with us playing against them in practice every day, we made them better as much as they made us better. So – when they came in, our bench was like everything to us because we wasn't missing anything. Uh, DK McDonald would run in there and bang people around like Dennis Rodman and uh, Ryan McAllister would come in there and fill in for research. He would ball hawk on people and hit a couple threes for you. So, yeah, the bench was huge. Yeah, I love that because, you know, in high school basketball, uh, unless you're at a Cincinnati Moeller and Ed's, uh, when you got a good bench – uh, that can that can up the ante in practice. And, and you know, because sometimes um, you've got five really good players and then your bench guys can't provide much resistance in practice, which doesn't make anybody better. But when you got some bench guys that can come in and practice and, and kind of, you know, shove you around a little bit and make you play, uh, that, that certainly is, is an advantage uh, when you get into games. Yeah. Exactly. And then knowing each other, like I said earlier in the podcast, that uh, we all grew up together. So knowing each other and knowing where everybody going to be in position and knowing what kind of effort that the player was going to give, gave us an advantage on teams that hadn't been together as long. You know, so that, that helped a lot. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you, you mentioned that point there because, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there uh, – 39, uh, obviously not the oldest guy in the industry, but some of the younger guys in the industry, I don't think they um, quite understand how important that was back then. And it, it is, it still is today when you get kids that grew up together um, and that, that, that team unity, when you have kids that have played together for a long time, it's really hard to beat. So, you know, what, what do you think about today's game where these guys are just, jumping all over the place all the time. I think about, you know, you got to jail. You got to find out who you can play with. You can't always just jump team to team and try to be a star, you know, on the team or, you know, because you don't always jail with everybody that you play with. You know, uh, you might think you're on a good team, but you might not fit their system. But Coach Smith, you know, he pretty much really didn't call too many plays with us. He let us pretty much play park ball and go do what we wanted to on offense. And you can't coach against somebody that if you don't know a play, if they don't have a play and they're just running around and setting picks and doing things for each other, how can you guard that, you know, watching in the film? So uh, we used to go to the boys club together and play a thing called Point League where uh, Jerry Lane, Betty Fetty, Dave Schrader, all those guys used to, used to take our stats, like uh, rebounding, steals, scoring and all that. And at the end of the year, the person who had the most stats, you know, the best stats in each category would get a trophy and stuff. So it was like a little competitive thing at the boy club that they set up for us that we, that used to help us. And uh, to just go from to Worcester and go to uh, Creston and, you know, down in all those places and go to their parks, you know, even down to New Philly and go to their parks and start just jumping on the court and start playing against players around the state, you know, just players at their courts and stuff. Uh, we would all ride together. You know, so we always stay together, always playing together and building this chemistry together, you know, as friends and on the court and everything. And it, it helps so much. So finally, you guys would get your chance. Uh, state final, you guys would get Wheelersburg uh, in front of 13,197 at St. John Arena. 
And uh, you guys left little doubt uh, on this day. Uh, at the time, it was the largest margin of victory in D3 state title history, uh, which was only seven years old at the time. You guys end up winning this game 79 to 50. Uh, Coach Smith had a pretty funny comment in the paper. He had said, I'm glad I'm glad to get the second one. Smith said, I didn't want everyone to think the first one was a fluke. Uh, and I don't think you left any doubt this day. Uh, you had 23 points, seven rebounds, and five assists, uh, which you would go on to be the uh, MVP of the state tournament. Renald Ray with 23 and six. Renald actually, uh, you guys were only juniors this year, but he would end up going to Youngstown State to play football. Yeah, you correct me if I'm wrong, but did he play for he played for Coach Trussell? Yeah, there, Coach right? Trussell used to let me up in the locker room after the games and stuff like that. I got real cool with Trussell. Uh, Renaud played Youngstown State up there and caught the game winning uh, touchdown pass for the championship that they won. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you probably weren't surprised. Oh no, not at all. Uh, as soon as Renaud came to play football, like in our junior year. Uh, he was shining right then and there. Like, you can already see an impact that he was bringing to the game. And he was so aggressive in everything he did. You know, like, growing up, we always used to, all of us, we used to play everything. We used to play baseball. And if we could find a hockey somewhere on some ice, we would be out there trying to skate and play. Or we would just set up (laughs) set up fake field goals and stuff like that at the junior high and just be out there kicking field goals for hours. Just We did everything physical like that. So it was Ronald. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he was a, a pretty special basketball player too, but as you mentioned, he didn't, uh, he didn't come out till his junior year. Well, correct. He, for, he came out, he came out uh, in junior high. He was a quarterback and then he didn't play up until our okay. junior year. And me, I didn't start playing football at all until I was a sophomore and ended up starting varsity and stuff like that. So like didn't, Like he just came in and he just took over at the receiving, he's receiving in, you know, and he did an amazing job. He's real aggressive and with a big body frame, he was hard to stop. So. So you guys performed um, per usual in that state final game. Uh, Klenner did his thing, 14 points, 12 rebounds, five blocks, dominating the paint again. Um Reeser and uh, and Cedric Simpson, uh, who would go on to play at uh, Cal PA, yes. I believe, uh, he completely completely disrupted the Pirates' offense, according to Ralph Polk of the Beacon Journal. Uh, you held Wheelersburg to eighteen of sixty-five shooting that night or that uh, game, twenty-seven percent. They were zero for twelve from three, and you guys were fifty percent from the field. Uh, Tom Barrick, who was the head coach of Wheelersburg at that time, his team was 14 to 16 in the line, or it would have been a lot worse than what it was. Um, you held some of their better players really in check. Uh, Aaron Adams was four of 15. Uh, Jonathan Eaton, who had a, a a big game, I believe, in the semifinal win over um, Esteban Weaver's Bishop Hartley team. You held him to two of 14. Casey Ellis to five. Um Ellis Eaton and Adams had 60 of the 76 points in the semifinal win, and you guys really uh, held them in check in the finals. Uh, Jonathan Eaton actually uh, was quoted as saying, I guess it wasn't a good idea to run with Orville. And that was kind of kind of their game plan was to, for whatever reason, was to come out and try to run with you, and uh, that probably wasn't the best uh, plan of attack. Yeah, speed is kind of deceptive. It doesn't look like we're moving all that fast, but once you get on the court with us, it's a it's a different ball game. So I could see how he would. What was? I just thought that was kind of funny that he 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 pretty good recognition there at the end by him. Uh, what was what was Coach Smith like when when you guys uh, got the job done? Uh, Man, Coach Smith was probably the happiest person I ever seen. He was running around screaming and beat red in the locker room and hugging everybody and kissing everybody. And <laughs> I mean, he was it was just joy all around the world. And uh, you know, I was we were just so happy to win it. 
and see him happy to win it, you know, because as a coach, you invest a lot into your players. And uh, it's not just about you winning, but winning as a unit. So just to see what you've been working for all year to get done, I mean, he was just as happy as we was. And a crazy thing for you guys was, and you guys that are obviously had some success, not only at basketball, but football, but, you know, and you would win back to back. You actually were the first and I believe the only team to uh, move up a division in the very next year, win the state championship uh, in division two. But all that work, you know, the, the, the playing together at such a young age, uh, and knowing each other so well, what what was that like for you guys as kids uh, to finally uh, achieve probably something that you guys, you know, played in the backyard a thousand times? Uh, it's something I can't really describe. I mean, when we got home, we had a big celebration. You know, uh, the fans at Orville is something that I don't think could be matched. Like, they, they come out to everything. It don't matter if they got to drive five, six hours. They're going to show up at the game. They're going to cheer loud. They're going to let you know that they're supporting you and that, that they're here for you. And, I mean, I remember showing up to games, and it'd be a line down the sidewalk, down the street, almost wrapping around the corner just to get in the game. And we wasn't tipping off for, like, two hours, you know. And we would have to walk through crowds of people hearing and touching us and yelling our names and different things like that. And so for us at a young age to see this and go through this, we almost felt like we were celebrities or something, you know. We really didn't understand how big it was at the time, but it was just a joy to know, like, the community was had your back like that and everybody was, like, watching your every move to see if you were going to get the job done. And then so to finally get the job done, it was just so relieving and just it was everything. Is it something you, you know, again, you, you guys end up winning another one, but is it is it something you, you, you still think about? Uh, often? Yeah, we think about it. We talk about it. We talk a little trash with the 92 team because we feel like we could beat them. And uh, so, we you know, we still talk to them. And still to this <laughs> day, you know, people ask me questions about it or we'll see signs back in Oroville or somebody have on one of the old shirts. And so it's still talked about around the community. You know, somebody sees something in the NBA or college or something happen to play or something, they'll bring up something that we did, you know, things of that nature. So, yeah, it still goes. Yeah, when uh, I told several different people um, that you were going to be the guest on this show and pretty much um, the common response was (laughs) he was a stud. Uh, so people remember you. Uh, you have not faded into the abyss. They they remember you and they remember, you know, how good you were and how good your your team. And I think that's what most people follow up with was not only how good you were and how good Renaud was, but exactly. how good your team was. Uh, and I think I, I think you would you, you would probably talking to you here just a little bit would probably yeah. prefer it that way. Like when they compare, when they compare, Complete when they compare LeBron and, uh, and, and and Jordan, I always say because people, the first argument is, oh, Jordan has six rings, and I always say, okay, yeah, Jordan has six rings, but y'all discrediting Scottie Pippen and the Paxsons and the Kerrs and and you know the Cartwrights who was blocking shots. You know, Jordan didn't get every rebound, he didn't score every bucket. It's a team effort, you know. So you can't you can't take championship rings and, and compare players that way. If you want to compare them, you compare them by their stats and what they did as a player individually. So that's kind of like how I feel about it. Like, our team did this. It wasn't me and Renaud. It wasn't Clinton. It was our whole team did this. So that's that's how I view it. And that was, uh, you know, that was a big thing, um, especially in the 90s and, and before, was guys – Guys were just not, you know, that they they recognize the team uh, more so than they do uh, in today's game. But the last thing I want to I wanted to talk to you about uh, because we'll probably, you know, we'll be back hopefully doing the 25th anniversary of the 1996 team next year. But I did want to briefly mention uh, kind of how you guys went out there. Um, so you guys win the state championship, but. And then, so the 1995-96 school year starts. Now I'm going to, 
I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this before I, I mentioned the football season, but so my high school, our, our biggest rival uh, was a school I'm sure you're probably familiar with, which would be yeah. the Bel Air Big Reds. When I say the Bel, when I say the Bel Air, we should have won that game. To mind. But I mean, they were they was a tough <laughs> team. It was almost like playing identical team that identical to us. Uh, it was like we felt like we were playing ourselves. They had a high powered passing offense. And first thing that comes to my mind, like we should have won that game. Yeah, back in the uh, newspapers, back my way, uh, I remember vividly uh, that week and, and on the news, all the talk was about how the t- two teams were mere images of each other. Uh, and you guys both put up a lot of points that night at uh, Zanesburger Salzburger Memorial Stadium. Uh, but that would be uh, the end of your uh, football season there. Uh, you finish in the state semifinals. You and Reynald were both first-team All-Ohio receivers. Uh, your quarterback, Jared Zwick, was uh, second-team All-Ohio. And Jared, Jared was on your 95-96 basketball team. Yes, he right? was. And shout-out to Jared Zwick, who found out that he's about to be inducted into our Wayne County Hall of Fame. So congratulations to him. What, what was that again? You, you cut uh, Jared Zwick, I just found out that he – uh, is being inducted into our uh, Wayne Hall of Fame. Shout out to Wow, that's – yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. So, yeah, definitely shout out to Jared Zwick, um, very good Orville quarterback um, there with you guys there in the mid-'90s. But your, uh, your basketball team in 96 uh, – you guys go 26 and one and win the second of back-to-back state titles. It was not easy. Uh, you defeat a very good Ottawa Glendorf team, 64, 63 uh, in the championship. And uh, did you, I'm pretty sure you hit the game winner, right? To, to win this game, you ended up with 30 points and 10 yeah, rebounds. I had the game winner and then I had to make the game winner stop to stop Ryan Mag. Uh, because they did have an opportunity at the end of the game to score. And uh, I was able to get a hand up on him and he missed. And uh, we were able to get a steal on the inbound pass because it went out on us uh, on the rebound. So we were able to get the steal and Renault, and then the game was over. Yeah, so I mentioned you go out with 30 points, 10 rebounds. You get the uh, state Final Four MVP for a second year in a row uh Renal Ray goes out with 20 and 11 just uh, uh another perfect ending uh back-to-back state championships division three and 95 division two and 96 so when, when it all comes to an end um was it kind of like uh was it was it relief or was it like you know what's it was next? a little bit of both because going into that season, we was expected to win the championship. The year before, we kind of – our junior year, we kind of snuck up on people. I don't even think we believed we was going to win ourselves, playing hard and trying to win. But our senior year, it was kind of more pressure on us because everybody was talking about us and, you know, just felt like we were going to win. So after it was over, it was like, finally, you know, like this is over with. Like we, no more pressure on our back. We got the title, you know. But at the same time, you felt like, man, this is our last – this is our last game at Orville. This is it. Like, we're done. Like, and we didn't want that to happen. You know, we all went on to college and played different places and different sports and stuff. And it just – it was never the same as far as sports, you know, when we went to college because you see the business side and different things like that. So, it was just kind of sad and happy at the same time. Well, it was uh, certainly one of the best eras uh, in high school basketball. Um, as I mentioned before, it's just uh, I wish Coach Smith was here to 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 listen to this. Um, I'm sure he was would definitely be proud. Um, and Marcel, we really uh, appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully we can talk again next year. We can talk about that '96 oh, yeah. team more in depth. That's no question. You can call me anytime, and uh, thanks for having me. 
And uh, I appreciate you contacting me, and uh, good luck with your show and everything you do. I will, I'll make sure I won't bring any Belair Big Reds on onto the uh, to Go the ahead show. Bring next them on. I have some me. words to say to him. I, I I endorse the competition. You know, I love it. <laughs> That's what I like about you already, Marcel. We appreciate it, man. All right, Stay you too. Safe God out bless. There in Vegas.